The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome to the show. If you haven't tuned in before, uh, I am Wolfgang Klein, Money Manager, Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle, my partner, portfolio manager as well. The show is about money. We're here to help you. And I'm glad that uh, you have joined us this Saturday night. It's a pleasure to be with you. Of course, the show used to air Saturday mornings. Uh, Popular demand pushes into prime time. And I can't thank you enough for all of your support. So Jack and I, of course, are here each and every Saturday evening to help you have a better understanding of money and how to, well, Have more of it, make more of it, and also give more of it away. Yes, charitable giving is all part of it. It's good karma. Uh, Indeed it is. COVID-19 continues. Back to school. Well, we've gone through our first week of it, slowly easing back into it. Um, But the virus remains. I read a great piece in the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, last weekend, very detailed about uh, the coronavirus and what we a little bit about what we know about the virus and uh, its infectious ability. And nothing's changed. Uh, It wants to infect as many people as possible. So we have to continue to, I believe, respect the science and continue to adapt. Yes, we all want to get back to the normal lives of going downtown and getting back to the restaurants and all that good stuff. But we have to, of course, be careful. I can't stress that enough because, you know, something that shows about wealth and your health is your wealth. Uh, Yes, indeed, your health is your wealth. Uh, But, you know, building wealth is what this show is about, and there is very few uh, proven tried and true methods. Uh, But the one that does stand out, of course, is uh, the magic of compounding and the magic of time, Uh, the magic of consistency, the magic of process. When you put all those four ingredients together, you end up with a very, very high probability of success. What do I mean by that? Uh, I mean the purpose of building wealth or the approach to building wealth uh, is about starting early, uh, getting going, and never stopping. And uh, you take a look every five, ten years uh, in advance, you'll be remarkably pleased as to the results. Uh, So the name of the game is to get our children uh, to begin investing young. Uh, Jack, you you shared a really good article with me. Um, Thank you for sending it uh, on uh, the the importance of uh, getting your toes in the investing water sooner rather than later. I'm speaking at the age of 18, 19, basically when you begin earning a dollar, uh, learning to save a little bit. So I'm going to speak to that, but what uh, what, what you picked up uh, from that article, I believe it was uh, some excerpts of Warren Buffett, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah the article actually Wolf, was talking about uh, starting early and talking about uh, how Buffett, you know, he really didn't do anything extraordinary. Uh, all he did was let the, the time or the power of compounding and time take effect. And he actually started it when he's 11. And it's kind of hard for, for minors to invest, but you, you can do it through trust and the likes. But uh, like you said, for someone who's 18, uh, the important point of the article that, I, that came across to me was the fact that it teaches you how to deal with the market. And it also teaches you about yourself because you have to go through a couple of crises to see how you're going to react to them. 
And when you're young and you're starting out saving and your dollar cost averaging, you're putting in a little bit of money every month. You know, if you have, say you have a thousand dollars in the market or you have $5,000 in the market, say, and you get a 10 or you get a 10% correction, you know, that's 500 bucks. You're not going to like it, but at least it gives you some experience. And then as you get through that crisis, uh, it allows you to develop uh, an understanding of how the market works, how it functions. So when you have more money down the road, you don't make a big mistake. Correct. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because, um, as you know, I got my little boys who are no longer so little. Uh, they're teenagers now and they're big, tall spreads. But uh, when they were young lads, um, I managed to uh, get them to, to, to invest uh, about $1,000. And uh, my eldest passes <laughs> to the youngest or vice versa. I remember who said it, but once, don't do it. You're going to lose your money. <laughs> And I said, guys, trust your daddy. And uh, so they invested some money, a thousand bucks. And uh, within days, you know, it went down to 980, 970. And so the other kids yeah. said, daddy, get me out, get me out. I said, relax, relax. That was their first experience with giving back some money. And they got through the crises without any questions. Uh, they didn't like it the first time, but come the second time, which is actually much more significant, they didn't bat an eye. In fact, I told them, uh, guys, if you have any extra money, buy now the market is on sale. The, the point of getting started there, Wolf, it's always difficult to get started in anything. Whatever you're trying to do, it's very difficult to get started uh, and get things moving in motion. But once you get uh, those healthy habits of regular savings, um, and what you taught your sons there was delayed gratification. I'm sure that Elliot at the time probably wanted to buy some fishing lures or fishing tackle or whatever the case uh, with his dough. But the fact that you said, you know what, if you don't purchase now, invest that money for the future, you'll be able to buy more and set a long-term goal as opposed to short-term uh, gratification. Now, they were nine, Jack, at the time. Uh, long-term goal for a nine-year-old, little challenging. Uh, I, yeah. You're right, you're bang up. But you know, the point you make is 100% important getting started you know everything in life that's probably the, the, the that's the toughest move uh you think about golfing uh my, my get up the tee box your first hole uh it's the worst i'm always duffing that first hole it's the worst <laughs> getting started you go to the gym oh it hurts the first couple of minutes or even a walk uh, even skiing the first run you know getting started but once you get started you get some momentum some inertia so i'm gonna go back now to my kiddies uh, who began at the age of nine. They're now 16 and 18. And, uh, well, they, they, they've come a long way, I must say. And, again, they had some summer jobs, and they had been saving. Elliot was actually up at uh, Blair Hampton in Minden uh, helping Sandy out, uh, uh, keeping the course uh, busy, uh, or keeping the course well-maintained. And uh, he, too, is now going to save some more of that money. You know, I'm, I'm helping my kids, uh, and I'm fortunate that I can do this, but I'm actually saying to my kids, anything you save right now, I will match it. I really wanted to encourage them uh, with all my might to get started and to get a process going. So I had to uh, up the ante and put some money on the table beside there. At some point, I'm going to pull that money back, meaning I'm going to stop matching it. But for now, I'm matching just to encourage them uh, to get started, and they have. And uh, I tell you, Jack, that probably would be one of the biggest successes I have with my kids is uh, teaching them about saving money and investing and yeah the long-term goals is a challenge but uh, you know i had the discussion with uh, elliot on the, uh, yesterday uh, and uh, you know a different discussion from when he was nine to now being 16 that at the age of 16 they can actually look a little bit more forward than they could at age nine we as parents my good friends we come 
uh, with the task of uh, no instruction books, no manuals. You sort of figure it out. Uh, but Jack and I are here to help you figure out money. That's the one thing we know, and we know real well. Uh, I welcome uh, welcome you to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, so much more coming up. We're going to talk about mortgages and how cheap money is. Real estate is hot. Drew Donaldson, uh, Donaldson Capital, is a mortgage broker. Uh, the benefits of using a mortgage broker over going directly to your bank. I'm going to share a couple stories with you and hopefully teach you something. Stay tuned, my good friends. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640. Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my good friends. It's a show about money. And, well, it's a wealth-building show. And the sure way to build wealth is by using time. It is all about time. To compound wealth and to get to the number that you want to get to, take about 25 years. Uh, Jack and I have studied the math on compounding over and over and over again. We've viewed it from many different lenses. And the conclusion is you got to log 25 years minimum. And that's actually when the beautiful fruit comes. So if you can defer another 10 from 25 to 35, oh, you shall be so rich, and you can give so much money to charity and, well, make the world a better place. You can, also, of course, enjoy some of that money yourself. Uh, Jack, I want you to pick up on that, um, the point you made there about time and about uh, logging years. And, well, hey, uh, if you've got a big dream, what you've got to do to accomplish that dream. Yeah, well, before the break, we were talking about starting early, and uh, a lot of people come to us. Uh, you know, 50, 55, and they're starting to do their financial plan. And a lot of people want to retire at 55. The point that I was making to you, Wolf, and, and to the audience as well, is if you want to retire at 55, it's possible. You have to be disciplined, have the healthy financial habits. But uh, high, if you want to increase your probability of actually achieving that goal, start an extra 10 years early. Because, you know, the average age or the expected retirement age is 65. You want to do 55, start 10 years early and let that time work for you. I think if you started about the age 23, 20, 23, 20 stuff, let's just say if you start at, at age 25, which I think is a couple of years late, but we'll keep simple math, 25, you tack on 30 years of consistent saving, consistent investing. That means uh, buying stuff when the market is down. That means buying stuff when the world is shaking in its boots because that is all part of a consistent strategy. You want to buy when it's on sale, so automate it. But if you start at 25 and you stick to a plan of, say, 1000 bucks a month, and you do that for 30 years, you will have millions if you simply buy the S&P 500 without – well, that's a probability. I shouldn't say without question, but the probability is 99.2% uh, accurate uh, and probable outcome. Uh, but with respect to time, uh, same thing in terms of wealth building, uh, real estate, cornerstone asset within a portfolio. Uh, again, my, my, my point on real estate uh, is quite simple. Buy yourself a little bit more than you need so you can grow into it and hang on to it for decades. Uh, and after a couple of decades, uh, time will have had you pay the mortgage off. Uh, yep, I, at the age of 55, went out and borrowed money. I can't believe I'm borrowing money and strapping a mortgage back on, but I just had to because, well, my friend Drew Donaldson, uh, and also one of our uh, members of the team, I shall say, a, a uh, unofficial uh, member of uh, the Wolf on Bay Street team, uh, as we often refer uh, Drew to many of our clients if they're shopping uh, for a mortgage, you might as well have a broker 
shop the street for a mortgage rather than yourself. And uh, Drew, thank you for joining us on the call. Uh, thank you for helping me secure a uh, mortgage for my new home, which I'm quite excited about. But Drew, you did a good job uh, to start with uh, uh, securing me a rate of 1.65%. Uh, truly, friends, that is almost free money. Um, and Drew, you did that because you were able to shop the market. So uh, please, I want you to share with us that your experience in helping clients uh, and, and how often you're able to add value to the relationship. I'm probably very typical. I, 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 I have a, a, my own bank, and so I asked my home bank for money, and I called you and I said, had you shopped the market? And uh, again, it's no different than going into a car dealership and the new customer gets the, uh, gets the, uh, the, the, the gift and the existing customer gets the, gets the hand-drawn picture of the gift. Um, I, I, it was incredible. My, my home bank had a much higher rate than you came to the table with. How, how common is that, Drew? Yeah, thanks, Wolf. Well, we appreciate your business. And um, I mean, as you saw firsthand, which it's good we went through that process together because you can kind of see some of the value that we bring to the table. Um, We compete against private bankers all the time where someone will say have an existing relationship. And the unfortunate news is a lot of times they're not going to treat their existing clients as good as getting a new client that they bring on the books. So a lot of times, like in your situation, we were able to bring your your mortgage over to a new lender. Didn't have to be any of your assets. Didn't have to be you know life insurance, nothing like that. Simply the mortgage, uh, and and we can come together with either better terms, savings, or even just a different structure that adds value. Jack, what words going through your mind right now with what you just said? What phrase? The, the bank phrase? Oh, I, I don't know. Wolf, I'm not the tied selling. Hey, that's oh, what Drew's gee. referring. Oh, tied selling the banks. I, I'm sorry. Love them, hate them. Uh, they corner you and, oh, you want to borrow money? Well, if you open up an account and do this, uh, we will give you a slightly better rate. They do a very, very fine job of tight selling. I don't necessarily want everything tied with one institution. I'll tell you, Drew, I, again, I spoke about this last week. And, and you said to me, um, and again, I don't mind sharing this on air. You said, uh, so you mentioned get me money through the TD Bank. Uh, Scotiabank came to the table as well with an offer, but uh, you got me money from the TD Bank. Uh, and you said, well, if you pay your mortgage through the TD Bank, uh, they will send you $2,500 cash. They want you to open up a checking account. Um, I said, let me see if I can do this. I went to TD Bank, opened up an account. But then when I went back to my bank, which is Royal Bank, and tried to transfer a mortgage payment to TD, I couldn't do it. The system won't allow me to do a bank-to-bank transfer in excess of, I think, of $1,000 or $1,500. And then, and then TD Bank wanted to hold that money for five days. Uh, hence, I couldn't, I couldn't do what you want. But I couldn't believe it, Drew. Drew, how can I not transfer money from the Royal Bank to the TD Bank? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they pigeonhole you, right? It's, um, it's funny, too. TD just happens to be the flavor of the month. I mean, you could have called me four months ago and we might have got a better deal done at Scotia or I do a lot with Manulife private banking. It just happened to be, and, and that's why I like not being tied to just one particular lender or bank where, you know, some of these banks all of a sudden have to get money out the door. They got too much money on the balance sheet. And uh, we always call it the flavor of the month. Well, the flavor of the month, the last two months have been TD. And, and you saw that with that 1.65%. Without question, but again, you you were able to save me, you know, in, in even in these low interest rate environments, um, eleven basis points. 
uh, which is, is well over 5%, right? 11 basis points on 1.65, which actually the high uh, Royal Bank came at a 1.76, and you were able to come in at 1.65. Uh, th- that's very, very significant savings. Uh, uh, so, um, how cheap is, is money getting cheaper, Drew? And what's your sense on? Because uh, again, I, I'm taking on a variable rate mortgage, which means interest rates can come back up and bite me into you know what. Uh, I'm not terribly concerned about that. But what's your what's your uh, ear on the street telling you about where mortgage rates are going for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've never seen rates hit this low, um, but I've also never seen or heard the the Bank of Canada give such clear guidance for the next three years in saying that they're going to keep rates artificially low, go out, get mortgages, buy businesses, do whatever you have to do with the confidence knowing that rates are going to stay low. So that gave me the confidence of recommending a variable to you and a lot of our clients right now. Uh, some of the first-time home buyers that don't have um, you know, maybe the cash flow, those are the people that were still sticking into a five-year fixed rate. But if you've got the cash flow, the Bank of Canada is clear on what's happening. It's almost better to take a variable for two to three years, enjoy the savings, and then you can convert to a five-year fix at any time without penalty. Well, again, I'm able to borrow money right here, right now, at almost 1% below prime. Uh, absolutely historic. So, so Drew Donaldson, Donaldson Capital, uh, my good friends, if the mortgage is coming up, uh, my suggestion to you is always use a mortgage broker to at least shop the market for you. Speak to your own bank. Call a mortgage broker. If you don't know one, Drew Donaldson uh, has done work for myself. He's done work for many clients. Uh, you can always contact him, DonaldsonCapital.com. Drew, great job, my good friend. Uh, I look forward to uh, uh, cracking open a uh, nice bottle of wine with you at my new house. And uh, Jack, of course, is looking forward to coming over and pick up all of his new vinyl as I purge uh, and get set for a move. Uh, the show is going to continue. It is called Hi-Fi Radio, uh, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I am your host for the next, well... 30 minutes, we're going to continue to talk about money because Hi-Fi Radio is a show about high finance, but we'd like to take you right down to the streets, streets of Bay Street, streets of Wall Street, uh, streets of Main Street, because it's all about you, my good friends, to help you build more wealth. Uh, Indeed, it's just been incredible as we uh, continue to go through this global pandemic and uh, the world begins to open up. And uh, some industries have been absolutely annihilated and other industries have flourished. And some of those continue to uh, move forward at a relatively stable pace. And that'd probably be the banking sector and the industry that Jack and I work in. Uh, you know, thank goodness uh, Canaccord was smart enough years ago to invest heavily in technology. As uh, COVID hit us, we were able to go remote and uninterrupted activity. And uh, I actually had to go down to the office on Bay Street this week to sign some documents. Uh, But I have to continue to sign myself in each and every day. Building management must know who wants to come into the office, uh, at what time, for how long. Uh, Well, so that if there is a problem, they can trace it back. And 
uh, Jack, you told me a very interesting story about, um, I think it was you said that a couple of weddings that have occurred. And uh, they're now tracing a, a few outbreaks coming out of those uh, social gatherings. Yeah, the numbers in Ontario have certainly been spiking. And as we open up the economy, uh, certain parts of the economy, especially where there's large gatherings, uh, it just shows you how uh, infectious this virus is. And if, you know, we don't remain disciplined and vigilant, uh, it can certainly sneak up on us again. And, uh, you know, that second wave that everyone's talking about uh, can come up uh, quicker than you think. And, you know, schools are opening now. So we obviously want to make sure that uh, not only our kids are protected, but obviously the the most vulnerable uh, elderly as well. Indeed. Uh, well, Michael Graham, uh, Managing Director, one of our key analysts in the land of technology, uh, live on Bay Street, and his partner, Maria Rips, uh, Managing Director as well, uh, analyst on Wall Street in the internet space, the esports, uh, digital, uh, the world of the future. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, uh, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with Jack and I this Saturday evening. Uh, frequently on, of course, the show is uh, our good friend Michael Graham. Uh, how are you folks doing, and uh, how are things on Wall Street? Because I understand that uh, you're into what phase two, and uh, skeleton staff is being permitted back into uh, select parts of uh, New York. Well, King, it's always great to speak with you. Thanks for having us on, and uh, I always love the Pink Floyd song on on the way in there. So good job on that. Um, yeah, things are good here. You know, we've been we've been fortunate, as you referenced in your in your um, in your introduction there, that uh, you know, with the strength in the stock market, um, there's been a lot of uh, demand for capital and a lot of companies uh, taking advantage of the strong markets and going public and raising capital in general. It's been a very uh, thankfully busy time for our firm here in the U.S. and we're you know we're really happy. Um, uh, to be, you know, able to give good service to our clients. Um, New York is slowly opening back up. Uh, you know, the gyms have recently opened. Um, you, can, you still really can't eat in restaurants indoors, but only outdoors. But I think we're moving, you know, back in that direction very slowly. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, fascinating watching the Raptors uh, perform uh, on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, great, uh, great game. My wife was on the edge of the couch, <laughs> screaming and yelling throughout. She couldn't take it. She said, "Overtime, double overtime," and then they win the game. Uh, and of course, with the virtual um, uh, fans <laughs> in the uh, on the screen, it's, it's, it's almost surreal. Um, uh, so here we have live sports uh, trying to open up uh, as uh, best as possible and be very, very respectful to the science of COVID-19. Uh, but, Michael, you work in a, a, a sports industry as well as an analyst, uh, the world of esports, uh, a, a sector that was supposed to be all about kids staying in their basement playing video games for hours on end. But that, that industry then was in the process of morphing itself to make itself to live large venues where the public could participate and view uh, international games being played live on screen. So uh, share with us the latest developments in this new category called e-sports. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, the Raptors and New York is getting its version of that with the U.S. Open and tennis uh, happening and there are no fans and, um, you know, it's kind of a real different uh, experience watching some of those matches on TV with no fans. Uh, so you, <laughs> you nailed it. I mean, I mean, we, you know, this whole esports area, which is really the business of, um, the business of like 
believe it or not, uh, for the older generations, um, the younger generations love to play video games, and they love to watch other people play video games uh, on a professional level. Very much the same way you'd watch basketball or hockey. Um, you know, millennials and the generations around there love to watch uh, other people play Call of Duty, uh, Overwatch League. There are professional leagues with professional athletes who train every day for long hours. Um, a lot of these athletes have their own YouTube channels and Twitch channels. Twitch, if people don't know it, is a platform that Amazon owns uh, to allow um, gamers to stream and they charge subscription fees. We have athletes making millions of dollars a year doing this. And so, of course, you know, with all that, like in any good, you know, you're a, vet, you're a media veteran, Wolfgang, you know, in any good uh, media area, you're going to have um, eyeballs develop and you're going to have advertisers chase those eyeballs, and that's exactly what we're seeing in esports. Um, we put out our, our esports quarterly uh, a few days ago, and it just highlights that, you know, the number of sponsorship deals from advertisers um, you know, is, is expanding rapidly. And the last quick thing I'll say on this, you know, is we have, um, you know, another big stock that we're covering down here, DraftKings, which is doing sports betting, you know, mostly for live sports, right? So they give people in the U.S. the ability to bet on the outcome of a golf tournament or a tennis match or an NFL football game. And they've been making money allowing people to bet on the outcome of video game esports. It's been fascinating. What's the symbol on DraftKings? What's the ticker on it? It's a D-K-N as in Nancy, G as in golf. D-K, Nancy, G, uh, G as in golf. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny as you're saying, um, first of all, you're speaking about eyeballs. And uh, back in the day of normalcy, uh, in my old radio days, and speaking with promotion managers when they do big promotional events, back then it was all about bums in seats. And uh, I just was looking at the uh, Live Nation stock and it seems to have firmed up a wee bit but in terms of watching video gamers perform it all that does it brings me back to my childhood when we'd all uh, hover around a pinball machine and one guy was playing and we'd all line up our quarters waiting to be next in line and of course the guy playing was winning free games and it would take about an hour and a half so that's you know 25 kids around the machine watching him play pinball uh, you know, things don't really, really change. Let, let's um, pivot over, uh, if we may, uh, to Amazon. Uh, your partner, Maria, uh, is spending time analyzing uh, that, uh, that little uh, company. Correct, Maria? Hello, everyone, and uh, it's uh, good to be here on the show. Thanks for having us on. And uh, uh, so Mike and I cover the broader e-commerce space, and uh, we can talk about kind of what's going on here, what we're seeing in the post-COVID wor- uh, world. Uh, Mike can talk about Amazon. Uh, I can talk about two other smaller e-commerce names, uh, Etsy and Wayfair. A lot is going on with those stocks. So uh, we'll take it whatever way you want to take it. Perfect. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do, Maria. We're going to jump into commercial break, pay some bills, uh, keep us on air, keep the lights on. It is Saturday night. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Thank you for spending time with Jack and I, our debut show at this hour. Uh, If you woke up this morning and it was 7 a.m., you're looking for us, well, here we are. Uh, just move forward 12 hours. We're very happy to be here with you uh, on this uh, wonderful Saturday evening. Uh, quick break, get right back to the show called High by Radio. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to High by Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Change it. Turn and face the strain. 
welcome back to the show about money. We call it Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, a little high fidelity weaved into the show. Uh, this has been the oddest, or it certainly was the oddest, oddest uh, Labor Day weekend back to school week. So strange. Uh, but uh, we must adapt. Um, and, of course, the world of technology allows us to adapt. I'm delighted to have Maria Rips and uh, Michael Graham on the show, Hi-Fi Radio, the show about money. They are two of our star analysts uh, speaking to us live from Wall Street. Jack, you spent a lot of time on the conference calls. Uh, I'm going to let you take over here with Maria. Thanks a lot, Well. Well, the, the key theme, I think, since obviously COVID has hit is the stay-at-home theme. And Maria's on top of a lot of those names. So you talk about Peloton and Netflix. Um, looking at those names, Maria, you know, they've done exceptionally well. But how much further can they go here? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a great question. And uh, I guess if we go back to late February, technology stocks, along with the broader market, were hit hard after reaching fresh all-time highs as uncertainty related to the COVID-19 pandemic and equities sort of shop lower, right? And uh, a lot of stocks uh, we cover bottomed out in late March. However, as you pointed out, the pandemic turned out to be a tailwind to the businesses of many of our covered companies, as a lot of people uh, around the country and around the world kind of uh, sheltered in place for weeks, if not for months, right? Uh, they were forced to move work and school, social interactions, entertainment, and shopping online. And, you know, perhaps the biggest beneficiary here were uh, e-commerce companies. And uh, those, a lot of those companies saw both existing customers increasing the engagement and new users coming to their platform in record numbers. Uh, if we look at other verticals, uh, such as streaming video, food delivery, real estate, at-home workout platforms. Uh, all of those verticals also benefited, benefited from changes in consumer behavior, uh, while some other verticals like digital advertising or perhaps sports gambling were temporarily disrupted. So what does this mean for our sector going forward? Right? Uh, many of our companies saw their share prices not only recover from the March sell-off, but ran to new all-time highs as investors crowded into the businesses that were benefited uh, most from this pandemic. And uh, one question we get a lot is this recent correction, right, in the tax sector. And, uh, and we saw that tax stocks were down over about 10% over the course of three or four trading days. Uh, we think that that was somewhat expected, and uh, given the extreme positive sentiment and the rapid share price appreciation over the recent months, and uh, while there is sort of potential for some volatility here in the near term, uh, as additional scrutiny is placed on valuations and the broad economic recovery, the point is that fundamentals of many of these companies have been very, very strong and stronger than ever. And we continue uh, to expect them to deliver strong results over the next few quarters. Yeah, I would say, you know, looking back and you're looking at, you know, February, March, even April, that was really a liquidity event. And it didn't really matter how good or how high quality the company was. You talk about a company like Amazon, which is obviously on a secular growth trend. It didn't matter how big the company was or how good it was. When people were tapped on the shoulder and told to sell, they were selling everything. And it was across indexes, large cap. And large cap actually, I would say, probably got hit some of the hardest just for the fact that uh, people could sell them at a, a, I don't know if it was a fair price, but they could actually get the liquidity that they needed to meet whatever margin call or um, requirement that they would have. In terms of, um, you know, e-commerce, what are the top, I guess, 
secular ideas that you have. Obviously, Amazon's a leader, but you also mentioned Etsy. So could you maybe uh, speak to the audience about that? Uh, yes, of course. So Etsy uh, is one of the one of the stocks that uh, is up over 150 percent year to date. Right? Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a platform for custom made and handmade goods. Uh, it's not only it's benefiting from the broader e-commerce tailwinds, it also has exposure to a lot of verticals such as homeware and home furnishings, craft supplies, beauty and personal care that are doing particularly well right now. So the company had exceptionally strong performance over the past several months, uh, which we expect to continue in the near term. And in the second quarter alone, Etsy attracted 12.5 million new buyers to the platform. And that is nearly twice as many uh, as it did attract during the entire year of 2019. So the strong uh, top-line performance also translates into much stronger profitability, despite Etsy's continued investments in advertising and multiple platform improvements here in the near term. And maybe another stock that's kind of worth mentioning here is Wayfair. And uh, Jack, to your point, uh, the stock was below $25 in late March. And right now it trades at over uh, $275 or so. So it's an incredible price appreciation. Uh, And uh, uh, Wayfair has has seen an exceptional demand since the pandemic started. And there are a couple of dynamics happening here that are driving the strength, right? Uh, Number one, People are staying home and realizing that they need certain furniture and certain home items, something for your kid's room, for example, or a workstation or something for the kitchen. Uh, number two is people have more time on their hands to pursue some home improvement projects that could have been on hold for some time. And, uh, and another point here is as people really don't travel, don't go out, don't spend a lot of money on entertainment and spend so much more time at home, a lot of this incremental consumer spend is now being fueled to spend on home furniture and home goods. And in the meantime, this is the platform that's that scaled very rapidly. Uh, the company expanded its revenue base from less than $5 billion in 2017 to over $13 billion expected this year. And now at the point where it's exhibiting very strong operating leverage and is driving this long anticipated profitability for the company. And that's driving the strength in that. Uh, share price performance. Yeah, well, let, me, let me grab it back here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, Michael, can you um, uh, share with uh, the audience and Jack and I, um, what idea in your um, uh, camp uh, you think uh, is probably a reasonable bet for the next two to three years? Yeah, um, you know, there, there is definitely, uh, you know, great opportunity in terms of these stocks. I mean, we really like you know, from these levels, Wolfgang, we really like uh, Lyft and Uber. Um, you know, they um, they have been, uh, you know, beat up pretty hard here. They've had a lot of headwinds. There's some great tech platforms and great stocks that have yet to run. And, um, you know, we think that they can go a long way. You know, um, they both operate in these secular tailwind areas. And especially in the case of Lyft, where you've got, you know, only exposure to the U.S. and, um, only exposure to rideshare, which is a duopoly, which is a market structure we like. We think that one has a great future. Lyft and Uber, are they currently trading above or below their IPO price? Right around it. You know, it's interesting you mentioned they. Um, That's they interesting. So, no, sorry, I just want to jump. So, you, a year later, you can get these companies at the same price as when they went public. 
And, you know, there's a lesson to that. I read uh, empirical evidence uh, 25 years ago that you don't need to chase an IPO because you will often be able to get them at a later date in and around IPO price. And I saw that firsthand with, I believe it was Tim Hortons, Jack, correct? I saw it, I believe, with Google. We saw it with Facebook. Michael Graham, uh, Managing Director, uh, Canico Genuity, live from Bay Street along with uh, Maria Rips. Uh, they cover the uh, internet sector, esports, uh, the world of digitization. Um, Maria, uh, what, what is your uh, best idea in your camp uh, right here, right now? What's the same for an investor, uh, specifically for portfolio managers like Jack and I, who should, who should uh, include them in a mix of a diversified portfolio? Give us one or two of your best ideas that we should do more work on, Maria. Yeah, I mean, we, we still like Etsy. We still like Wayfair here. We talked about those names. Uh, perhaps another name to mention here is Netflix. It's uh, one of the companies that definitely benefited from stay-at-home environment, and we like the stock going forward. We think the company will continue to take share from linear television. Uh, the company added an impressive number of subscribers during the first half of the year, uh, nearly 26 million net additions net additions in the first half, which compares to nearly $28 million during the entire year of 19, and we think the strength can continue. How many subscribers does Netflix globally have now? Uh, Netflix currently has, just give me one second just to give you the exact number. Hundreds of millions, though. We know that much. It's a, it's a huge number. Over 190 million subscribers. 190 million subscribers. And, and speaking with Mike Walkley, here's a number I always have trouble keeping up with, and that is of the installed base for that little company called Apple. Uh, they have over 1.4 billion active items uh, out there being currently used by individuals, with, which, which equates into about a billion customers. You, you know, uh, Michael Graham and Maria, of course, we've got an election coming up. And uh, all eyes will be on your country. Um, it's a beautiful country. It's a crazy country. It's, it's, it's like any other country, right? There's good, there's bad, there's uh, indifference throughout. Uh, but, you know, you know, I'll tell you what I love, what I love most about your company, uh, country uh, as a Canadian is your stock market, your, 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 your innovation, uh, your ability to, to, to allow geniuses uh, to create real revolution, uh, revolutionary work. I'm thinking, of course, about the likes of Apple. I'm thinking, uh, uh, I'm thinking, of course, about Amazon and uh, even uh, Tesla and Elon. But Elon was Canadian, wasn't he, guys? Uh, Lyft, Uber, trading in and around IPO price. So, what do you what, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, you know, um, we we think that that like when when the companies came public, you know, they came public at at this time when the public markets. Uh, kind of said, we really don't want to underwrite many years of losses and in investment, which was really the first time in this cycle that that had happened because we've seen so many companies come public where they were uh, losing a lot of money in the short term to just invest in growth, invest in new customers. So these, neither one of these stocks really performed that well when they came out of the gate. So businesses were doing kind of okay. Then we got hit with this pandemic, and it really set these companies back by a year or so. But that's exactly to your point, like, this is, like, make no mistake, like, this is a structural shift that we see away from car ownership towards shared transportation, and both of these companies are extremely well-positioned in our view. Um, and, and, you know, so we really um, like them. And in Uber's case, 
they've been benefiting, they've been getting a benefit from their delivery business, their food delivery business, because people have been staying at home, um, even though the rideshare business has been under pressure. But both of these companies should uh, participate in some great growth going forward. Uh, I have to take. We have to spend some more time on those two names, uh, Lyft and Uber, because they, every dog does have its day. And without question, this is, I think, a secular theme that is only going to get bigger. Uh, and again, COVID nineteen, I think, sets the stage for uh, how we view transportation. Again, I've been driving very, very few kilometers, uh, and hence uh, my sixteen year old car continues to service me just well. But uh, do I even need the car? Uh, if I move less, I perhaps don't even need the car. I could drop insurance, get rid of the car, and the aggravation of owning a car, and uh, perhaps just use ride share. I'm not there yet, but it certainly is a consideration. Uh, Michael Graham, Managing Director, uh, Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, uh, Canaccord Capital, of course, Maria Rips, his partner, uh, brilliant analyst covering uh, some very cool stuff in the world of technology, internet, esports, uh, stuff that, of course, is about tomorrow. Uh, changes upon us. Um, hope you guys have a great weekend. I want to thank you again for spending some time with us. The show, my good friends, at home is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, Jack and I will spend each and every Saturday night, at least an hour of it, uh, with you to help you out. Uh, you have any questions, please visit our website, wolfgangkline.com. Uh, no question too big or small. Jack and I are always here for you because the show is all about you and helping you have more money. Wish you a great weekend, Jack. Great job as well. You have a great weekend, my good friends, and we will speak to you all next week. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.